DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Time to welcome in our basketball insider, Steve Cleveland. Steve, you know, basketball insider is something we throw around on the air. It's something you're supposed to say when you're in radio. (laughs) But then you started dropping MJ and Fresno stories, and I'm like, this dude is an insider at the highest level. This is awesome. Now, Yak has told me you have more MJ stories. This is like Christmas morning. I'm loving this. Uh, You know what? I do have a few more. You know, I spent four years. He spent four years here, four summers for a week, and... uh, they were all pretty amazing, and uh, I was I was talking to my sons, uh, who were like eleven and seven at the time, and uh, I just I asked them what some of their memories were, you know, and and uh, we st- we just started laughing about some of the things that happened. They they had the the cool privilege to kind of go with him in a limo a couple of times to uh, different situations and circumstances, and. And Mike was always really kind to him, and so there, there's a pretty special place in our heart for Michael. And uh, I, I, I do remember. I'll, I'll give you one just for a starter off, and then we can talk about whatever you want to talk about. But uh, I remember that after he had uh, been here for a year, we 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 talked last time about a game where we had down at the arena downtown. But there was an experience. I think it was about '86 where. Uh, the idea was people kept coming in at night and watching the pickup games. And, and, and my two partners in this thing were two guys who had just finished out of college, had no money, and I go, hey, man, we can't be letting these people come in for free. <laughs> I said, well, what are we going to do? <laughs> and he goes, we go over there and start charging five bucks a head. And he said, get somebody at the door, you know. And I said, hey, we can't do that right now. I said, let's wait. We, maybe we'll do a game. And, and then they started thinking, yeah, that would be good. We could do a game. And But it was really, literally at night, there'd be about two or 300 people just walking off the streets. And like I said, you got Timmy Hardaway, Mitch Richmond, Chris Mullen, Michael Jordan, Rod Higgins, you know, just playing pickup games. And so we decided, okay, let's, let's do a game. So on the last day of camp on that Friday, we decided – Let's do a camp. Michael said, hey, I'm, I'm cool with it, you know. And so uh, we had no idea how many people would come. One was a pre-sale deal, but it was basically like five bucks a head, you know. Was, mind you, this is back in the 80s. We weren't that serious about making money. And so uh, we ended up, uh, the thing, the place started picking up. And, and for people that don't know much about Central California in July, it, you know, it's 103, 104, and it stays in the high 90s and low 100s up until maybe 7, 8, 9 o'clock at night sometimes. The place ended up being packed. We, we've, in fact, we didn't have any real security, but we better, so we, we better get some security. And we had one, a, a cop that we knew we came over there just to kind of make sure things were okay. But this place is packed. And we've got, you know, we, were, we knew we were going to have a turnout. We didn't know it was going to be standing room only. And, uh, and so we had those pros and we had college guys, a lot of the Fresno State players who've been to the Sweet 16, guys that have left. And we start, they, the game got started and uh, it, it was electric. I mean, it was so hot in there. We had to brew, we brought fans in there. It didn't matter. Everybody was ringing wet. And I, my, I can still visualize Michael like, dropping dimes, just shooting the ball from all over. It's a high school course. There's no NBA three. And, and him back, literally backpedaling and high-fiving kids and parents and then grabbing things of water. We had all sorts of water on the table, grabbing water, just throwing in his face, getting back on defense. And I thought to myself, this is, this is the game at the purest level here. You know, here we have a guy who has already dropped 65 on the Celtics. 
and he, people know he's going to be the best player, in, you know, in the world. And he, here he is in this game, just having the time of his life, uh, teasing the kids, talking to the players, talking smack on the floor to the college kids. But that was the first time before we went to an arena where we did that. And and I can still remember this. So it was it was incredible. And uh, so with about a minute to go, Michael calls a timeout, which I thought was kind of surprising. And uh, he says, uh, Coach, he says, I need your keys. <laughs> I said, you need my keys for what? He says, I need, I need the car. I said, Timmy and I got to get out of here. We got a lot of clothes. Can we just go by your house, drop our clothes off, and then we'll come, we'll circle back. You know, we'll get something to eat and, and circle back and meet you in about an hour after the game. I said, all right. So I took the keys out of my pocket, gave him my car, you know, and uh, he took off. And when the game was over, there was a lot of disappointed people because I think they thought he was just going to stand around there and do autographs for an hour. But uh, anyway, he got out of there, and uh, we ended up having an experience that I will never, ever forget. I mean, it, the back I can just still remember, visualize the backpedaling and the high fives and throwing cups of water in his face and not what you think about when you think about Michael Jordan today, but it was it was pretty special. So this actually was before the height of his popularity because he hadn't won any titles yet. Exactly, exactly, and and I mean, he was humble and approachable, and uh, I mean he had the same swagger, he had the same smack. I mean he was talking serious trash, and but I mean I, I, I'll be honest with you. Being around him in that setting, and, and uh, I mean, you knew he came from good parenting and good homes. And I mean, he had the the NBA side of him, but he, he was, uh, you know, he hadn't, he hadn't, and I don't know if he ever was. I mean, he wasn't really tainted by the world. I mean, when you watch that show last night, you're thinking, my goodness. But you know, that that just wasn't Michael. And uh, and I, that's the thing for me is is my memories of him was when he was a younger player. And, uh, and and still uh, was everybody's favorite. He just hadn't won championships yet. And and as it turns out, you know, in that game, in fact, before we did that game, I don't remember, I can't remember, if it, I think it was Rod Thorne who worked in the NBA office at that time. He was some commissioner over public relations. But he called and talked to Rod and Michael that day and said, whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, let us let us send someone out, you know, and I, I, the only name I can really remember was George Griffin, but they were trying, he said, let us send somebody out for that game. We don't want Michael playing. I mean, we didn't have any insurance, okay? First of all, we had no insurance for the people that came into the arena or into the uh, high school gym, and we certainly didn't have any uh, insurance for the players, and, and it came down to Michael. I mean, he just said, nah, you know, don't worry about it. We're fine. And so you can understand why the NBA had called that time. And, uh, and and in the end, the NBA said, hey, that's enough. And, and by the time it was the end, Michael, you know, it was even more popular and, and uh, was pretty valuable. He, he was the most valuable commodity to that league with uh, where he was, you know, he was on a meteoric rise. And uh, so they couldn't afford to have the poster boy for the NBA be out in Central California getting hurt in the summer. But, yeah, we didn't have any insurance. And... Uh, what can I say? It came off, and, and uh, I, I think he had a good time, and, and we certainly were blessed to have him in, in our community for a few years. Steve Cleveland wrecks the NBA. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can just imagine if he broke his ankle. No. Or if no. something had happened. You know, I mean, just can you imagine? No. Oh, my uh, goodness. And, uh, and I still go back to, 
he was having a good time and he was he was you know he and rod were such good friends and you can imagine just getting out of you know obviously he could go back to north carolina and be with his family but you know he just stay in chicago he wanted to get away and, and when he came out here in the central valley he got away from everything and we had news people in fact I thought about this. One of my kids told me the other day, they said, you need to call up a couple of sportscasters and see what kind of clips and stuff that they actually have archived because I'm sure uh, we had them out there. I don't know if they were out there for that game, but they used to come out to camp and do videos and stuff, and I probably need to check into that and uh, to see if, if we can find some old clips of things. I know that when we went to the arena that they had lots of video. I, I just... Uh, and hadn't thought about maybe checking it out to see what it is. So I maybe do that. I got some time on my hands right now with things. I think I make a couple of phone calls. And I remember Dan Taylor, who was the sports guy here. Um, he and I went to high school together, so he might be somebody that I should call and see if he's got some clips. That'd be kind of a fun thing to watch for home movies. You surprised after all these years that Jordan still has the amount of hatred and emotion negatively for Isaiah Thomas that he has? Boy, I, you really sensed that and felt that last night. And uh, you know what? I, I know I watched Isaiah try to justify it and, and what happened with the Celtics and things and the rivalry they had with them, but... Uh, I, I, I can understand it. I mean, it's kind of like I'm, I am surprised that he's still carrying it to that degree. But it's you know it's pretty public, and we live in a transparent world here. And uh, the idea of some of the things we saw there—I uh, mean, the violence in the games and the intention to hurt—I mean, we heard it, and then for them to walk off the court and not shake their hands after all of that, yeah, I can see where you still have some angst. And, and some anger and, and just like, you know what, I have no respect for that. And I don't know how Michael really feels, but it seemed like last night he hadn't let it go. And uh, but I think I can understand it. I can understand it. I, it, it was to watch that. I mean, I can imagine young, the, this generation of kids watching those games and going, oh, my goodness, you know, these are things you'd be put in jail for, you know. And uh, that, that kind of behavior, I, I forgot. I mean, we all forget, you know. We watch the league now and we love it. But uh, I think the players in the NBA today, uh, it's probably been a real eye-opener for them to watch this and see this, who, you know, were young, very young when, when this was happening and um, and probably had no real memories of it. But, uh, wow, it was uh, it was a pretty violent sport when certain teams played each other. Uh, check out uh, their Twitter feed. Check out Donovan Mitchell on Twitter because he was not born yet when the whole Pistons-Bulls thing unfolded. And, you know, from that, uh, he had a tweet that a lot of people picked up on about uh, Dennis Rodman invented load management. So that has gone, that's gone viral with the whole going to Vegas story. Are you surprised? And, and I guess you shouldn't be because you're, 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 you're coming out with the throwing water in his face detail. Are you surprised how vividly and how much detail the Bulls all remember these stories in? Because when Jordan broke out the whole Dennis is going to Vegas story and they played the clip for uh, Scottie Pippen and for Dennis Rodman and for Phil Jackson, all those guys started laughing, and I thought I read in all their faces like, kind of breaking the code and pulling the curtain back there a little, aren't you, Mike? They all remember that in great detail. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you can forget that. 
I mean, that's, uh, that's, I was really, I was really, really, really surprised. And, 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 you know, part of me is like, wow, okay, how, how does this happen? And how do we rationalize this today, you know, in terms of that's what it was, but it is what it was. And, and, uh, and Dennis was a complicated guy and I think he still is. Um, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not judging him, but that behavior and that circumstance is something that I would never, could never have imagined. And, uh, and, and, and so public and, and what, what can they do but laugh about it? Because at the end, the end story was that he's still alive today and they ended up having, you know, they ended up winning that last championship and he, he played a role in it, but, um, there was kind of no moral compass there when it came to the behavior in some of those situations and circumstances. But, uh, yeah, I, it, it is, I, I, I'm not surprised that they didn't forget it. I mean, you do remember things and I mean, I'm, I'm much older now and, and there are certain things that happened two weeks ago that I can't remember, but I can remember things that happened, you know, 35 years ago in, in, in detail. And, and so, uh, it's just funny how the mind works like that. So, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that Michael could remember and have those things, and, and, and especially when they're in a setting now where they're talking about it all the time and guys are bringing things up, and it's in a circumstance where, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I mean, just talking to my sons uh, two nights ago, it was one of those things that I thought, I hadn't even remembered that, you know, and, and just experiences that they had had. So. Yeah, it, I think getting together and doing this, I, I think it's probably been a great experience for all these former players. One of the things that I remember very vividly is Jordan's first title and Game 5 in the form, because I remember it, I was there covering it for a suburban Los Angeles newspaper, and my job, I told you last week, was should. And one of the stories that I did after that game was John Paxton and going off. And I can remember that I put in, this is just a little side note, I put in that it was some of the best shooting by a guard that we'd seen in that building since Jerry West. And the editor thought that was blasphemous, and he made me take it out. He took out. He wouldn't let me compare John Paxton's shooting to Jerry West because he was a little older than me, and Jerry West was his hero, and he wouldn't tolerate John. Well, go ahead. Yeah, he, he broke. He broke up, but you get you get the gist of it there. Yeah, yeah. Jerry West is sacred. <laughs> Yes, he, he is sacred there. And I, I'll tell you this, though. I, I thought it fascinating uh, as they talked about the triangle and the evolution of that with Phil and and, and how uh, everybody kind of bought into the fact that we got to have other people contributing. And Paxson was one of those guys. And to hear his comments and thoughts. But, I, you know, it's like somebody I heard <clears throat> this morning when I was driving over. I was just listening to uh, – Serious NBA radio, and they said, "Well, when you have Michael and Scotty, and you know you have this team, does it really matter what you run?" And and I and I and I think you could make an argument that you know there's there was so much credence given to the triangle, and and, and certainly those guys were great minds, basketball minds. But but I think the one thing that did happen as a result of having a more of a system rather than just isolations for Michael was that guys like Paxson could really could help teams. I mean, he may not have been able to get those shots off on his own, 
but with that system and with superstars like they had, they had to help and put them in circumstances where they could shoot it. So that was a big part. I mean, you can say what you want about how, what you think offensively is good or not good or whatever the circumstances were, but at the end of the day, they got more guys involved, and that's that's kind of why they won six championships. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think Paxson, it was it's just fun to watch him and that, just to see those clips again because I remember I remember that game. I and mean, my memories all of a sudden came right to me. Oh, my goodness, I remember this. I remember watching this. And uh, and he was wide open, and uh, he was pretty much wide open on every shot. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that, that that that's an interesting story. I mean, yeah, I can't imagine. I, I have been with Jerry West a few times. Gary Colson, who was a coach here, and was in New Mexico. He was at Fresno, and we became good friends when he was here. And he and Jerry West were best friends. And uh, so I had an opportunity a few times to get down to Santa Barbara. And uh, where Gary ended up living, and Jerry spent a lot of time and played golf with him. And uh, I, he, that man, uh, well, I, I was on the golf course with him, and uh, he was like kind of like playing golf with Michael, you know. It, 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 there was so much trash talking and so much, this, and, and he had a huge ego. And uh, you know, you was kind of for me, it was I guess sir, you know, no sir, and, and I was on my best behavior, but. Uh, uh, being around guys like Michael and Jerry West, I mean, they they just have a persona, and uh, that's unlike a lot of other people in sports and out of sports. You know, it's kind of I was amazed by listening to Jerry's conversations and take on the game, and 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 I had I was up close and personal because he and Gary were good friends, and so I just casually listened in. But uh, there's another guy that's really, really, really competitive, <laughs> just like Michael. And uh, so it was kind of fun to be around him as well. So, but Jerry West was a heck of a good shooter. I got to interview him one time on a halftime show at a UCSB radio uh, on a UCSB radio broadcast. He came up to scout Brian Shaw, and it was wow! You could just drink up the basketball knowledge. He knew so much. Yeah. Like one question, and his answers were just awesome and he was just doing it off the cuff he was barely yeah, paying yeah. i felt like he was barely paying attention engaged with me and yet everything was awesome so he you're right he definitely exudes that hey i'm curious about uh what you thought watching doug collins talk about losing his job in chicago so when he said he could sense it coming it wasn't addressed directly and jordan uh, According to the bite he gave us, Jordan was notified there was a change coming. Maybe there was more than that, but or though maybe Jerry Krause, that's just the way he ran things. Did uh, did Doug get done dirty to get stabbed in the back by an assistant coach? Was there a palace coup there, or that's just the way life goes and there was nothing to complain about and I'm reading too much into it? I, I think it's probably a combination of all of those things. Um I think one number one that they could see uh, the potential in this group and in Michael and where they were going, and but they could well you know why were they losing games and Michael was going for fifty but they see they're still losing, and, and so I, I could see the thought that hey what can we do, what, what systems in place you know what, what what direction can we go so we get we can develop our players get more people involved, and and I thought that. Uh, 
Coach Collins was really forthright and honest, and maybe he didn't share his feelings. I'm sure it was really hard at the time. I mean, they'd just gone to the Eastern Conference Finals, right? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that was that was something that, you know, Chicago hadn't had much success. But uh, I think sometimes you know in the business that when, when people you're surrounded by people that, hey, this is a special pe- this is a special guy, you know, and I think eventually he probably has, over the years has come to believe you know it was probably it was the right decision, um, but I, I know that it must have been difficult for him, and and it does seem cutthroat when you consider what they did, and it had to be hard for Michael, uh, and I, I you know we we didn't I didn't pick up on other than what I just heard, but there's always behind the scenes feelings and hurt and feel like you've been betrayed uh, when I. You know, and, and he and Michael had a great relationship, and the isolations, and he he did. He put Michael in a position where he uh, he, he increased the pace of Michael. You know, jettisoning up to being the best player in the league. I mean, you have to give Coach Collins credit for what, what he did with that talent and using it, and putting himself in a position where he could start winning games. So he should be given a lot of credit for where he got him to, but 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 certainly, uh, um, you know, putting in the triangle and developing other players you know history kind of shows that that was probably the best thing they could have done and it worked out but i i gotta believe it had to be really hard at the time uh and he and and probably michael as well so byu gets a seven foot three transfer out of purdue a graduate transfer what do you think mark pope's going to be able to do with him you know i've been thinking about that and uh you know, you start looking at their roster, <clears throat> and, you know, they're a little thin guard-wise. I mean, you got Barcello and Harding, who I, I think Harding's going to be really special. I, I think you put him now in a situation. So, you know, you got those two guys, and you got these guys sitting out like Wyatt Lowe's, you know, 6'10". He's a kind of a 3 through 5. You got Gavin Baxter, who's kind of a 3 through 5. Richard Harwood seems like he's a 5. And, now, and then you got Colby Lee, who, had, who really – had a really good year, and now you bring in Matt Harms, and you start thinking about, here's a guy that averaged you know, seven or eight points a game, he played in the Big Ten, he's a rim protector, uh, you know, and, and, and pretty significant rim protector. But he's been a guy that averages about eight, you know, eight or seven, eight points a game, and I think he's going to have a real presence, but I just think, like, you can't, it's hard to play, you know, I don't know anything about Wyatt Lowell. <clears throat> I've never seen him play but people say he was a 37% three-point shooter at 6'10". I mean, you, you put – if you just take the two guards and put Lowell and Baxter, Harvard, and Harms, I mean, you've just got some huge size there. I, it'll be interesting to see how, how he plays. I think defensively he's probably a guy that's going to play 20, 24 minutes a game for him and make them better defensively for sure. Uh, and, you know, the guy, this year's team had a lot of guards – and uh, they had depth in that position. I mean, they had three or four guards, and they run a lot of ball screen action. If Wyatt Lowell truly is a three, and he's going to play significant minutes at that position, and then when you have Baxter, Harvard, and Harms in there, this, this could be a really special team. I remember being at a practice uh, when I had gone back in, and, uh, in the midseason, and I just heard, I just overheard Mark talking to one of the assistants, and he just said, I don't think people realize how good we could be. He said, I really like the guys. They were just talking about the guys that were sitting out, you know. And, and of course, they signed 
uh, a, a guy out of Salt Lake. They've got this Gideon George, another defender. I mean, I think defensively, they, they could be really, really good with harms in there. Um, it, but that being said, and, and just my experience in being in this business for a long time, I really like playing small. I mean, I, when you look at this year's team and you put Yoli at the five and surround him with four guards, it's hard to guard. And um, But I, I don't know enough about, you know, they say that Gavin Baxter, when he was in practice, was a really good three-point shooter. I, you know, he knocked a lot of threes. I haven't seen that yet. And until he and Lowell can do that, if they, if they start stretching defenses and then you have that kind of presence inside, I mean, it looks like they're going to be pretty good next year, and I don't think they're done. But certainly it's a good get anytime you can beat Kentucky and Texas Tech and anybody on a kid. Um, I saw a little clips on him. I don't know a lot about him. Seems like a great kid, and, you know, seven foot three, uh, he's going to bring some value certainly to this team defensively. Well, Steve, we appreciate a few minutes as always. Thanks for the MJ stories, and uh, we will talk to you again next week. All right. You guys take care. Bye-bye.